This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. We have a great guest for today's episode. We have the privilege of hosting a luminary in the field of behavioral medicine and public health. Our guest's illustrious career has been marked by his dedication to understanding the intersections of physical activity, built environments, and public health. He has a PhD from Memphis State University in clinical psychology. He has held esteemed positions at institutions like Stanford University, San Diego State University, and University of California. He serves also as a professoral fellow at the Australian Catholic University. Throughout his career, Dr. Salis has been at the forefront of research on physical activity and its impacts on health. His work has been recognized globally and he has been identified as one of the most influential scientists in the field. In today's episode, we will be discussing the evolution of physical activity research over the years, role of built environments, the importance of measures, and insights into the challenges and opportunities in the field. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Professor James Salis. Welcome. Thank you very much. Hello, Ollie, and hopefully many listeners eventually. Yes. So you have been doing research for a long time, so I try to go with a little bit more challenging and overarching questions with you. How have you seen the field of behavioral nutrition and physical activity evolve over the years? And what have been the most transformative shifts in your opinion? There certainly have has been a lot of transformation. I remember early in my career, one of my most central organizations that I've been part of is the Society of Behavioral Medicine. And when I first started presenting my work on physical activity there, there were not many other people doing that. And there were not that many people in the audience for myself and people like Abby King, who was also doing early work in this and Bess Marcus, we would explicitly invite people to get interested in this topic. In the er mid eighties, physical activity was a relatively new topic for behavioral science and been in physiological and sports science for a long time. So we would invite people and either that worked or the research was so fascinating that people started doing it. So by the time that Society of Behavioral Medicine started having special interest groups, the physical activity one was, I think, the biggest one. So it went from a very small niche area to one of the biggest areas in, in behavioral medicine. So I, I think it's parallel in the broader field of physical activity. I was privileged to go to the what I believe was the first 
a conference on physical activity and public health that was held during my postdoc at Stanford at the Centers for Disease Control. People may recognize the name of Ken Powell, who was the organizer of that. And I think it was 82 or 83 and generated a summary a document or a special issue of a journal also published by CDC that has been very highly cited over the years. That was published in 1985. So the whole field of physical activity and public health has grown up since then and is now thriving and filled with creative and dedicated researchers and is driving practice and policy in many areas. So it's been a it's been an incredible growth and evolution and definitely evolution as the evidence about physical activities let's call them a rainbow of benefits has become increasingly well documented it's physical activity is recognized as one of the most important factors for health in in many mechanisms and I guess my view of where the field is that the science has continues to be very strong and continues to grow in quality and quantity, but I continue to be disappointed by the response from government agencies and public health officials in the attention to physical activity and the public health response. That's something that I think our field needs to continue to work on or work better at is translate. Basically, I think of it as translating the research to policy and practice. And there's much, much more that needs to be done there. I think that is the number one challenge to our field. And maybe I'll just point to one example of this in the second Lancet series on physical activity in 2016, Rodrigo Reyes led a paper on scaling up physical activity interventions. And that paper was really about the wonderful evidence that we have about many evidence-based interventions, very diverse interventions for many population groups, and very few, if any, have been scaled up so that they're, we, have, we know that they are benefiting public health or having population-wide influence. That it's just been one disappointment after another about high-quality interventions recognized as strong evidence and then being used much less than they could be or should be. So mm-hmm. that is my quick tour of my perception of the physical activity field over the about 40 years I've been working in it. Yeah, I have several questions. Yeah, so you you were in the first event, maybe 82, that's about 40 years ago, about physical activity as a behavioral medicine. And then it has grown as the biggest one from a small niche. For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, Collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project, especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. 
This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data. Introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibian Sense Motion is a cutting edge, next generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant, and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw 3-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is s-e-n-s.fibian.com. Fibian, created by researchers for researchers. One question, why do you see it? Is it about the rainbow of the benefits that you mentioned? And how do you look, looking back 40 years, has it been surprising that there has been so many benefits in physical activity, or were you able to guess that this is probably how it will go when we start looking this more closely? Uh, no, I had no clue how important physical activity is at the time. My background in psychology did not really prepare me to understand all the physiological effects of physical activity. And they just keep coming. And I sometimes wonder I attribute that to really the dedication and creativity of the researchers. They just keep trying, let's see if physical activity helps with this and with that. And it's, I think people, people outside the field have a hard time understanding how physical activity could have all of these benefits. It just seems it's too good to be true. It couldn't possibly be that useful, but we just keep discovering more and more benefits. And maybe we would want to talk about this a little bit later, but during the pandemic, it, I learned about how much physical activity affects infectious diseases through being, I would say, an essential part of the immune system and having anti-inflammatory impacts. And I learned that the stress-reducing effects of physical activity and, for example, effects on cortisol are another mechanism by which physical activity affects immunity and inflammation. And during the pandemic, lots of studies came out showing that physical activity, people who were active before they got COVID were more likely to survive and sure. to avoid severe outcomes. So this is another, I think, very significant example of how the science of physical activity had, it just is progressing in leaps and bounds, but the response to that and the actions taken to take advantage of physical activity are woefully lacking. We're trying to quantify how many countries actively recommended physical activity as a way to combat COVID. And I'm expecting that there were not many countries at all that acted on strong evidence. Just another example. But no, I keep being surprised. It's just 
I, again, I think a lot of people say it is too good to be true. And when you see new studies, you are always expecting that there is a positive effect. You're not even expecting anymore anything else. It's whether it's someone is like bedridden in hospital and they try to put you move like right after some something major and whatever it is, it's still good, it seems. And you said that the biggest challenge is to get research to policy and scaling up the interventions. Why do you see that this is such a difficult one? I can understand that prescribing medicine is quite easy. You give the guidelines for the doctors and they start doing it. This is, of course, much more complex thing. But as a society, we have been done quite complex things, building cities and so on. So why is it so difficult to get people moving and get these policies done and scaled up these interventions? I will mention a couple of mechanisms that I think are in play. One is that, as you mentioned, if you're a biological researcher and you identify a particular biochemical that is helpful for a disease, then there's a system set up to move that research into practice through the drug companies. And there's a system for regulating that. And there are systems for educating physicians and nurses about these medications. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to invent that system mm -hmm. uh, as a researcher. In physical activity, there's no industry that is set up to move physical activity interventions into policy or practice. Yes, there are people that work in health clubs. Yes, there are exercise physiologists. But in health clubs, that's not a heavily regulated industry. There's no requirement for them to do evidence-based practices. So there's no system there. In public health, physical activity is a tiny component of everything that public health does. And there's, again, there's no capability. There's no system there. And even with electronic-based e-health or mobile apps that are determined to be effective for physical activity, there's no, again, system for moving that into an industrial scale. Hmm. And what my understanding is there are many apps for our mobile phones that are relevant for physical activity and promote, say this is promotes physical activity. From what I can tell, almost none of them are evidence-based. So mm. the practice and the industry is doing a lot of things that aren't evidence-based and evidence-based interventions are having a hard time breaking into a commercial level of scale. So that's one. And the onus is on the investigator to try to create a mechanism or a system. And most that's not what most investigators have skills in. The other thing I would say is that physical inactivity is one of the newest health risk factors. Tobacco control has been around a long time. There's a huge public health infrastructure for nutrition. There's a gigantic public health infrastructure for infectious disease. So physical activity as a new risk factor, quote unquote, has had a hard time 
I don't know, we have this expression, elbowing its way into the public health infrastructure and finding, finding commitments for ongoing funding for physical activity. So just as one example, many states in the U.S., their health departments have exactly zero people dedicated to physical activity working in them at the state level. Mm -hmm. And the ones that do have usually a person, that's typically funded by the federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. But over, over the years, CDC had less funding for those kind of positions. So we see fewer states with physical activity expertise, even one person. Finding dedicated funding has been very difficult, certainly in the U.S., and I'm sure that it, the situation varies across countries around the world, so I, I don't want to overgeneralize, but that's an additional problem. There's just no infrastructure there within public health for physical activity. So if I go for your second point, you said that there's infrastructural systems for smoking, nutrition, infectious disease. Do you see that we can copy something from there or is physical activity such a different thing that we cannot use the systems or borrow one thing from there and one thing from the other that we could build a similar system for physical activity? Well, we could build a system that would be appropriate for physical activity if we could get some dedicated funding to do that. Hmm. One difference and I think nutrition and tobacco are good examples, is that physical activity is more complex. Hmm. It has more complex causes and probably needs greater complexity of interventions. I'll give you some examples. With tobacco control, the target of interventions is really clear. It's at the public health level, it's fighting against the tobacco companies and trying to weaken them and counter-program their advertising and that sort of thing. So they're working with one industry. And also on the personal level, there's a lot of effort to help people quit smoking. And there's drugs for that. There's behavioral programs for that. There's apps for that. So it's all quite focused. In nutrition, similar, you've got the food industries, and that's a more complex situation. There are many aspects of food industry, some focused on healthy foods like fruits and vegetables, some focused on less healthy foods like meats and processed foods and sugary drinks. So you've got a more complex set of industries, but it's all tied to the food industry and to, and then to the sector of agriculture and growing food and policies about that. And it's more complex to help people eat better. And nutrition interventions are done in healthcare, they're done in schools, but it's still about eating. And in physical activity, some people say you don't have industries that are really working against you, like the tobacco industry or the, let's say, the beef industry. And I find that completely wrong, that the most powerful industries in the world are depending on people sitting more. Let's start with the oil companies. 
They're interested in having people drive, not in having people walk and buy. Let's talk about the electronics industries. That's a huge, complex set of industries. But what do they want us to do? They want us to watch TV and sit in front of our computers and look at screens and, um, and play, play computer games. And yes, you can walk and talk on your phone, but I hope you don't walk and walk while you're playing video games. That would not be a good idea. So to me, the world's biggest and most powerful industries are working against us, the car industries. So we have even more powerful industries working against us than other health topics. And if we want to get people active, we have to work not with one sector of the government. We have to work across many sectors. So just as an example, the National Physical Activity Plan in the U.S., I think it's nine or 10 sectors that they're working with. The WHO talks about 10 best buys for promoting physical activity. And they're across sectors, in sports, in education, in city planning, in transportation, in the nonprofit sectors. There, so there's just much more complexity in the influences on physical activity, as well as the approaches we need to take to re-engineer physical activity back into our lives. That's my take on why physical activity is more challenging to change. And if you got interested in measuring context of sedentary behavior or physical activity, we have good news for you. Vibion platform provides convenient way to collect contextual information. It includes a cloud platform and ease-to-use mobile app for both Android and iOS. It has shown its capabilities in several large EU projects and is now available globally. Our product expert Dr. Miriam Caprita is glad to have a chat to see if our platform could help you make better research with less hassle. So feel free to book a quick video call with Miriam from the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening and have a great day.